1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. A new season of Bridgerton is here.
2: Hey, Guys. I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is too much to say. Tell it all
3: to you.
4: Yeah.
2: Okay, I have some wonderful news on all fronts. Um well, most most importantly, my EP is out. You can listen to it everywhere. The reviews are in, and people like it. Um. Pretty exciting. That's always really nice. It's really scary to release music into the world because, like, I've never really experienced like being critically panned and having everyone be like, "This is your flop era." So, but everybody has that. So, um, it just wasn't the I got here by accident era. So, stay tuned for but more potential flops from my music career. <laughs> Um, Second great news is my neighbor has not started playing music tonight, so love that for me. Um, I've got some wine. I'm going to do an episode on something I'm really excited about and something that has been important to me for a very long time. So I am really into rock and roll and all kinds of, you know, pop punk, emo, whatever. Um, and I'd like to clarify that I'm going to be using emo and pop punk interchangeably, even though I'm fully aware that they are not, they're very specific things. However, I don't want to have to, um, (laughs) I am not going to be politically correct about rock genres. Okay. Just calm down. We can fight about it in the comments, whatever, but just know that they're going to be used interchangeably. So I had a, um, and actually aesthetically, I dressed a lot more scene, which was bright colors and teased hair and like bows and colored skinny jeans. Cause like the emo kids would wear like, you know, the raw XD shirts, but they'd just be black and ours would be like, you know, neon green and all that stuff. Like I feel like the Devil Wears Prada merch was always leaning a little bit more scene, even though I don't even know if like a scene band would be. I guess, I mean, you had literally the scene aesthetic, but, wow, try to say that three times twice. (laughs) Three times twice. Oh, my God, guys. Okay, anyways. So I have a very special guest coming on the show later. I'm going to have my boyfriend, Sam Varga, who was in a high school pop punk band. And he has um, a couple of really great stories that this episode would just be garbage without. I can't have him in the next room sitting on those stories while I talk about this topic. So he will be on shortly. But yeah, let's dive into it. So I went to a private school where we were not really able to express ourselves Um, as far as like dress and makeup and whatnot. And like, I got detention. I was really good friends with this. Um, my best friend's name was Katie and her and I would just get into trouble together all the time. And I remember one time we got into very big trouble because we wore red eyeliner for some reason. We like, we really went full, full goth that day. And our teacher was like, you look like you're worshiping Satan and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, and actually, it wasn't even red eyeliner. It was definitely lip liner we were using as eyeliner. And I think it's because we saw some, like, girl on MySpace whose name was probably, like, you know, um, Mary Macabre or something like that. Like, that was a big big thing on my face but we probably saw this girl with like pink eyeliner and we were like oh fuck yeah let's do that with red lip liner because that's all we have and it just did not look good but we got straight up detention for it and there wasn't even anything in like the school handbook about not doing it but it was just because it seemed like satanic behavior so okay guys calm down so any types of self-expression was thwarted except for like hairstyles. Like we did seen hairstyles a lot and we'd wear like Converse. I remember like begging my mom for knee high Converse and I didn't get them. And my dad ended up, um, going to Thailand and getting me a pair of knockoff ones from a Thai market that were actually really fucking cool. And like Asian culture was really, really incorporated into emo stuff. And like I was into anime. And so the fact that I got mine in Thailand, like made me even fucking cooler than having the converse and they're like bright green. And I fucking love those things. And I wish I still had them because I wear the same shoe size and I just think that they'd be hilarious to whip out. But so I would wear that with like my school uniform. (laughs) Which was like a navy polo and a khaki skirt and like tights and then just like these knee-high green converse. And I just thought I looked great. I thought I looked great. And then we did like every once in a while have a like casual friday. I also got to do this really weird cool thing with my school and I d- I realized later that this is definitely like a private school and regional thing, but we would have like ski days where like the whole school we would not we would not go to school. It would be like a Thursday. Oh, we also only had four days school weeks. So, I only went to school Monday through Thursday, which I also forget that that's really weird. So, I went to school four days a week somehow they that's legal i don't know but so like on thursdays which are fridays we would um like probably twice a month in the winter like go skiing and the school would pay for it and we just get to go do that so like i got really good at skiing even though i probably couldn't have afforded to go as often as i did so i would like to give the shitty private school one shout out for that because that was cool But so, like, I would get really, really into what I was going to wear to ski, even though I was going to put a a bunch of stuff over it, but, like, I couldn't wear my Devil Wears Prada shirt, I couldn't wear, like, my sick puppy shirt, I couldn't wear a lot of stuff like that because it would have gotten me in trouble. Lots of, you know, I mean, the Devil Wears Prada has nothing to do with the devil, but they don't know that. I mean, they thought my red eyeliner was a warning sign that I was worshiping Lucifer. So, I... Was trying so hard to express myself. And then I remember like getting dressed up to post pictures on MySpace and then like not even wearing the clothes out of the house because I was too scared to do it. <laughs> um, and we would go to these shows, like, and in, in high school, my best friend's name was Carly, and her and I got really, really into that stuff. And we went, we'd go see these like local bands play. There's this one band in my hometown called sparks the rescue and they are amazing. I'm still friends with them now. They're doing a big reunion show in Portland. So if you live in that area, they're doing that in November. It's going to be amazing. If I'm home, I'm going to be there front row because I love those guys. And, um, actually one of the people who plays in or played in the band now plays for panic at the disco. So they're, they're really great. And, um, I would go see them play these, like, random places. Like, we wouldn't saw them play a Grange Hall, which is also regional, but it's sort of like a like a VFW or, like, an American Legion sort of situation. Like, there was, like, ballroom dancing until 6 p.m. for the elderly, and then at, like, 8 p.m., these just delinquents, myself included, would just take over this, like, room that looked like a church And it would just get so ridiculous. And I remember like they'd have like the wall of death and people would legitimately get injured. I know I definitely bled in a mosh pit at one point. And, um, but there was an especially, especially, um, exciting evening one time because I met this boy named Alec, not Alex, Alec. And I met him at the show and it was like my first time doing anything that crazy. I was probably like 15. I think I'd just gone through a breakup and like we made out at the show and I'd never met him before. Such a skank, right? But I felt empowered. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, because boys still hadn't, like, I hadn't really gotten a lot of attention from boys until eighth grade. Like, that was the first time a guy told me I was pretty, and so I just like was like, "I got the power," and I was really, really pumped. But. <laughs> Um, there's a song called Chelsea by this band called The Somerset, and I ripped that off just horribly, and it just didn't sing well, and it was like, Alec, Alec, won't you stay here a little longer? Alec, Alec, I can feel my heart getting stronger. Like, I bet you made out with him one time, and I think we made it, maybe talked on Facebook, and then the funniest part is like after I moved to Nashville, I got like a Facebook message from him, like probably six years after this happened five years and he was just like hey like you want to hook up and I was like I I haven't talked to you since seven years ago and it, it was once like what a bold move also he had no idea I even like moved out of the state like years prior to that so anyways maybe don't make out with boys at um in the middle of a mosh pit or maybe do because you'll talk about it on your podcast one day but the song was just so embarrassing and I like totally ripped off the summer set Um, but those shows were so fun and there was one in particular that I saw this band um, play called The Sophomore Beat and there was this guy named Jesse Devine who was playing with them and you don't forget a name like Jesse Devine because it's just like he just sounds famous already and I remember my friend had a really big crush on him and I just distinctly remember meeting him And then I knew he lived in Nashville for like a couple years. Like I'd just seen him around or whatnot, but, um, flash forward, he ended up, um, subbing in for someone in my band, like super last minute for a show a couple months back. And I was like, Hey, by the way, like totally like mosh pitted to your, to your music back in the day. Like, and he was like, no fucking way. And, um, now he's my guitar player. So that's really, really fun. And what a lovely full circle moment. Also, I feel like he totally gets my energy because he is my energy. Um, yeah. So lots of great times at those shows. And then, um, my first, this isn't really emo, it's just rock, but one of my favorite bands was called sick puppies. And I really feel like they influenced my songwriting a lot, but that was my first, um, it was my first mosh pit. And I went to this venue in my hometown. It was called the station and it was in the basement of a strip mall. And it literally used to be a railway railroad station. And like a, or like a subway, it was underground. It was really sketchy. Like, I can't believe it was an all ages show. That makes no sense. Cause it was like, I mean, the kind of place you have to like, you, you have to step over like hypodermic needles probably like really, but you know, it was super rock and roll and like all these crazy bands played there. And it was just like a, just a full on fucking rock club. But so I went, I was 13 and I went with, um, my two best friends, one was a guy, one was a girl. And I was so pumped to be there. I remember I was wearing ballet flats, which is interesting because you'd think I'd dress edgy for something like that, but I'd somehow decided to like dress up. But I got pushed into the mosh pit, and I had no intention of going into it because this was like a this wasn't like a teen scene band. This was very much like an adult rock band. And it wasn't like, you know, at a, it wasn't a Grange Hall. It was in like a scary, (laughs) a scary venue. And um, so I get pushed in. I lose my friends. I can't find them. It's so tightly packed. And then all of a sudden I'm in the middle of the mosh pit just getting thrown around. And to be fair, I was so short. I don't feel like these people could even see that they were like elbowing me and stuff. But at one point, this like big guy comes up to me like so tall and he like yells and he's just like, and I was like, what the fuck? And then he grabs my arm and he bites it. He like bit my arm. And it didn't break the skin. And if it had, I probably would have gone to the doctor because like that's weird. And like, I feel like that's a good way to get a disease. But it was the craziest thing. And so as we're leaving the show, we saw. we, we waited around to meet the band and when I told him that story he was like man that's just like so rock and roll but I'm so sorry that happened to you if I'd seen it happen I would have punched the guy in the face and I was just like oh my god you're talking to me this is so cool but these bands influenced my songwriting a lot and I feel like you can hear that even on my country projects um, it's always come through and that's something I think that pop punk and emo have in common with country is like very visual lyrics lots of um specificity talking about locations like you know um ohio or like you know there's like I'll never go back to Georgia, not at least till I have to. Um, Jamie all over Mayday Parade, like just lots of lots of locations, and that's a big thing in country as well. Um, but I don't think they're that far apart. And it, the, probably the best person you could ask is Cassidy Pope because she came up in a pop punk band named Hey Monday, and now she's like a certified country star and has a number one on country. She's the only artist, um, the only country artist to ever play Warp Tour, which is pretty cool because she played Warp Tour after she transitioned to country. So it's like pretty dope. And um, I used to love her band so much. I mean, I still do, but when they were together, like I just was obsessed with them. And so when I met her in Nashville and became friends with her, I was just like, this is so cool. And she's exactly as awesome as I always hoped she would be. Um, but then I got to see the Hey Monday uh, do a reunion show And I like almost cried. It was like amazing. And I got to be there like as her friend. And I was just like eighth grade. Kaylee is freaking the fuck out right now. So that's my experience on the emo scene as a young kid. Um, But I wanted to bring on my boyfriend, Sam Varga, because he has um, a couple really, really good ones. So we're going to have him on in just a second. A
1: new season of Bridgerton is here.
2: Okay, everybody, welcome to my podcast for the very first time. Sam Barga. Well, <laughs> You look so uncomfortable.
3: Um, my lawyer told me that for legal reasons, I have to say that I'm not being paid for this <laughs> and that the uh, working conditions of this podcast are unacceptable and I will not be signing the NDA that you asked me to sign before I started this.
2: I thought I could take a sip of wine while he talks, but I should know better. And some of didn't spill that all over myself.
3: I'm dead serious. I'm not signing in. <laughs> oh my
2: God. Sam's favorite joke is to just lie about me and he'll do it to Uber drivers specifically. And like one time we were driving back from the airport and, um, the Uber driver was like, Oh, like how was your trip? And Sam goes, it was horrible. She was farting and snoring the whole time. And the guy was just like, Oh wow. <laughs> Did,
3: the, the joke, and I was like, "Sam, and God wasn't a lie."
2: Oh my God,
3: <laughs> this is the thing, Sam. You can't
2: you can't do this on my podcast. Fair
3: enough. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> that's what no, people it's- normally start. That's normally the first thing people say when they come on a podcast is, "Thank you for having me."
3: We're real stoked to be here.
2: not here to lie. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep, here's five of them.
2: So Sam is actually a um, a field expert on. Um, being emo and I wanted to have him on cause he has some pretty funny stories. He was in a band called uh, Scarlet smile and I actually own, uh, some of their merch that he found and I wear that mm-hmm. shirt so proudly. And we actually have a, we have a big poster from a show they played. I just had a, in a, uh, music
3: a producer from like back in my high school, literally reach out and be like, Hey, will you, uh, put Scarlet smiles CD on, uh, Spotify. Like it's not up there. I was like, one hundred percent. Yes, I'll put all of my <laughs> high school music back on uh Spotify. Are you gonna
2: do it? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. There's some they have some really good um BOPs, I think, probably what between you and me.
3: Oh, that's an emo cringe worthy story it's, in it's and of crazy. itself.
2: Yeah. yeah. I like I like um Emma, dear Dear Emma, is that what it is?
3: Dear Emma. E. M. 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 A. A acronym for all of our all of our ex girlfriends <laughs> at the time. Classic.
2: Pretty um pretty clever. You guys must have been so proud of yourselves when you came up with
3: that. Yeah, I did. Fucking good at this stuff. <laughs> Even back then. Uh, yeah. So, so this is about like cringe-worthy email moments.
2: Well, I mean, just the whole experience. Weren't they all a little bit, you know?
3: Oh no. Some of them were just great. Uh, but so I opened up for Seos and embraces, <laughs> um, <laughs> those of you who can find my actual Facebook cause it's not, it's my like full Christian name. Uh, those, those <laughs> pictures may still be found. Um, I think I'm in a choker <laughs> choker oh my too. God. Uh, but the funny thing is, is, uh, we were the third, third or fourth band on that bill and there was another opener for Sayosin that night who was this brand new band called Sleeping with Sirens. Wow. And uh, I got their name wrong <laughs> whenever I was like, and next up we got Siren Sleepers or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. I'm making eye contact with Kellen Quinn from the stage and I'm just like, oh, you ruined it. Oh my God. And so I think I bought them a uh, pizza afterwards. Like, I'm sorry I fucked up your band name. Let's go to Spinelli's. And I got them this pizza. <laughs> and uh weirdest thing in the world their two guitar players at the time had developed a secret language together i mean it was wild it was like watching two like grade schoolers just like talk like gibberish like like back and forth and they pretend like they understood each other and we're like what the fuck is going on here that's what
2: happens when you live in a van that is what it, go <laughs> literally insane
3: and don't graduate high school yeah
2: oh, yeah I mean I barely graduated high school
3: so You all barely graduated high school yeah, yeah.
2: Well, It's no one has ever asked to see my high school diploma but I do have it I'm I'm proud of that Um okay so you have one particularly epic story that when you told me the first time I loved it um about a house party show that you had
3: This was actually really cool So um one of the coolest things and I actually just got done reading this book uh called um Oh shit I'm going to mess this up sounds from the basement or, uh,
2: noise, noise from the basement. No, that's
3: the all time low song. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's <laughs> like that. It, <laughs> no, it's, no, so, no you know, that's
2: boy. Oh yeah.
3: But it was this, it was this, uh, book, uh, written about the emo scene. And one of the things that really touched on was how supportive and uh, the communities of emo music were because there wasn't a lot of places that would, you know, you, we couldn't play in bars. So, um, we would trade shows. Like if we would book a band out of state, they would come in and play and then they would book us and we would go out of state and play. And then if there wasn't anything that we could, uh, anywhere we could play that weekend or that week, um, we would just have to make our own. And so, if we couldn't get like a youth hall or you know a youth center or I think they call them like you know, VFWs up north, that's
2: what I was talking about. Yeah, earlier. yeah, and and um, not to mention church basements. I have yes. played a lot of church basements.
3: There's a lot of them. Yeah. Why did they let us play there? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's
2: it's. I mean, it was not God fearing music.
3: Mm-mm. Not in the least. <laughs> Unless but.
2: you're talking about God fearing that music, I mean, yeah. extremely. <laughs> um,
3: but then the other option was house shows. So we always practice at my house and. I forgot to tell the band that my parents were going out of town and I was like, Oh yeah, they're going to be out this week. And we all just kind of had like this look around the room and we're just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they're going to be gone like for three or four days. And so not only did we throw a house show, but we got two other bands to play and, uh, Oh yeah, it was fantastic. And we cleared out all of the furniture of this really, really big room we had and we set up the band and next thing we know, there's easy, like 150 to 300 people at my house. That's a, a very big margin, but let's just call it a hundred people at my house.
2: I believe that. <laughs> yeah.
3: You and, had a rehearsal
2: dinner at your house. You could fit that many people for sure. Uh,
3: yes. And there was just cars lined up all around the neighborhood. It was super obvious. And I start getting really nervous. I'm like, some shit's going to go down. I I have to get these people out of my house. And so I got my little sister, Tess, who was there because we were going to end with Dear Maria and all, the all time low song. We were covering that for our uh, like encore finale. And I was like, hey, as soon as you hear this song, like finish, I need you to come running down the stairs and say like mom and dad are on their way home or something like that. And like to a T, she's a thespian, played her role <laughs> perfectly. And at the end of this awesome night like three bands uh, like 100 150 people in the house she comes in like Sam mom and dad are on the way home right now and I got everybody out of my house in like 15 minutes and this is the best part the band was so so lazy it was literally like I would end up carrying like half the equipment by myself for like three to four years just to get to places on time and this was the only moment because I didn't tell the you band didn't tell I, didn't tell, <laughs> I was the only person who me and Tess were the only people who knew him. I was a liar and, uh, I got the entire band to break down the band equipment, put it back into the basement and we cleaned my entire house in like 20 to 25 minutes and it looked perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was fun.
2: So how, how long did you get away with that? When did your parents find out?
3: Uh, they never found out except cause the house kind of smelled like, except smoke. when they
2: listened to this podcast.
3: Yes. Um, <laughs> I think I told him, like, whenever I was in college, I think you're, you did, you're yeah. all sitting at the beach, and I was just like, by the way, like, this mm-hmm. was the best thing I ever did. And my mom was just like, hell yeah, well done.
2: At that point, it's just impressive.
3: Well, it did end up being very expensive because a lot of people were smoking in the house, and so it smelt really bad. So, um, one of the ways you can get rid of that is, like, you know, obviously spray a whole bunch of good, like, like Febreze and shit, mm-hmm. but then also blasting the AC. So I put the AC on, like, 60. And we broke the AC (laughs) like a thousand dollars worth of repairs. Like what happened to the AC? like, I have no idea.
2: That's so crazy. It's so crazy how that happens. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Definitely wasn't the power of rock and roll.
2: Oh my God. So actually you're a great person to talk to about this as well. But, um, I've been thinking as I've been on TikTok and read different places about the way that, um, I've seen them called elder emos and I really hate that. I don't want to be called an elder emo, but the way that like, you know, the uh, people who were around back in like, you know, the, the heyday of that, who are watching this reemergence of, you know, emo music, pop punk music. I've been using them interchangeably in this episode and not diving mm-hmm. into the specifics because I know they're not the same thing, but... Um, people who were are, like, it's coming back because people who were influenced by that and like grew up listening to it are now having music careers. And I think some people are being purists about it in the same way that they are about country music. And it's kind of, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like Jaden and um, Nessa Barrett and, you know, um, juice world and all that.
3: I have very strong thoughts on that. Yeah, and
2: Well, that's why I asked you, Sam, this is called too much <laughs> to say. So you just let her, let her go.
3: Well, I, and I disagreed on cuz this book I read uh talked about that a little bit too. And um there there's a quote in the book that said something to the extent of like I don't believe the what they're talking about. Like I don't believe these artists. I don't believe that their sadness is essentially more than an aesthetic. And yeah, I think it's I think that's part of the reason why this scene originally died out. Cuz the poser be, complex. Not necessarily because of the co- poser complex, but because all of a sudden you have these people who are you know creeping up into their like well into their 30s singing about you know issues that they for a lot of the part grew, grew out of yeah and this music was so important for you know so many kids to get through those times and this one of the great points this book made was how emo music really did completely change the kind of culture around discussing mental health totally um but I think that this music, just like any punk music, belongs to the young, new generation. Like, emo is all about those teenagers and these young adults grappling with these thoughts and, like, growing up and trying to figure out where the hell they fit in the world. At some point, as an adult, you figure that out. So, the next people who lead the charge of emo should all be a bunch of pissed off confused teenagers 100%. that's exactly who it belongs to so even if they're not knowing about under oath or you know um sunny day real estate who i didn't even Face know high. about yeah. yeah they have like so much more of the legitimacy to get out there and scream how sad they are because they actually are right now <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, and I mean, honestly, like semi-producer so Butch Walker. If you haven't heard me ramble about him on this podcast, he produced um, lots of pop punk and emo music. From he did Say Sin, he did Green Day, he did um, he all did time All time Low. time Low, he did uh, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco. Like any sort of a Weezer, yeah, Weezer. I mean, obviously, that again, I know that all and all of that's not emo and all of that's not pop punk. Nobody come at me for this shit, but like, just let me use a word. goddammit. Um... But he loves Olivia Rodrigo and he loves this new stuff that's happening. And I mean, we incorporated a lot of it onto my EP and he's not being a purist or a gatekeeper about it. And if anybody is allowed to be, it should be Butch Walker, you know, but he loves Olivia Rodrigo just as much as we all do. And um, I, yeah, I I think that quote bothered me too, because Sam read it out loud to me when he um, was reading the book. And it really just because the rest of the book like had a lot of really cool, insightful stuff and a lot of um, interviews. I don't want to like discount this, but you write a book, you hope people discuss it and you hope mm-hmm. there's some sort of dissent. Um, and my my um, the thing I'm descending on is that quote, because it's like literally said, like, I just don't believe that they're that sad as they were when our st- it's like, no, you're just not as sad. Yeah. You know, and it, so it's like. Of course, like all if you go back and you listen to some of these songs, like there's one song I used to cry to in my car and the hook of it is literally tonight I've fallen and I can't get up. (laughs) Yeah, that was the lyric. And I used to just like just cry to this song and just like just weep out into the abyss and just like pray that this boy would come back. And it was like a really dramatic thing. But going back and listening to those songs, I'm like, wow, that just doesn't feel If you go back and you listen to teenagers singing about emotions, it's going to sound like fucking teenagers singing about emotions. So of course, now that you're older and you're listening to this stuff, it's going to be a little bit, you know, feel a little bit, um, you know, petulant.
3: Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also like, if you're looking for that, I don't really think it is, but you also have to hand it to Gen Z for being so concise and like, so to the point, like for instance, instead of singing like "So cut my wrist and black my eyes,"
0: come on, black my eyes.
3: Nessa right. Barrett literally just—I just heard this song that was like, "I hope your life is miserable until you're dead." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's the—that's the hook. And I'm like that you, that's an emo song that's a microcosm of an emo song totally and you didn't have to say anything about like slashing your wrist like the first like verse you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like you don't have to be overly poetic and that was also a very big thing about the emo scene and this like the mental health aspect of it and i really do think that changed so much of how uh, we discuss about it how do we discuss it and feel about it but props to nessa barrett for just like being completely like blunt over the head
2: Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I think the, the difference of this new, like, resurgence of, um, is exactly what you're saying. The new, like, resurgence of emo and pop punk with these, um, like, with Gen Z is they're so literal and they're so dry. And there's this really dry sense of humor that Gen Z has as a collective because of the world they grew up in. But that quote just bothered me because I'm like, I'm sorry, are you watching the world that we're in and what these, like, 20 year olds and, you know, 15 year olds like th- what that age group has to go through like a lot of these kids they didn't even get to fucking have a graduation because there's a global pandemic and everyone around them's dying yeah. you know like kids kids are more screwed by this pandemic than nearly anybody and like not to mention just like the state of of politics and and you know these kids having to be so like see all these people dying on the news and it's like of course they're fucking sad and then also like you know if you're going to talk about um black people incorporating emo like that's i've heard a lot of people say things about like juice world and um other people like of color who sing emo music and acting like they're inauthentic and i'm like that that feels like it has some racist undertones because and I'm like you're going to tell me that a black person doesn't have a right to be fucking angry in this world like and that their sadness isn't real like
3: no yeah these kids are literally born of the plague Yeah. <laughs> that should be that should be their band name born I mean, of plague
2: literally but yeah so that's that's my soapbox about people who are trying to be purists and gatekeepers about pop punk and like I hate the whole like you're wearing a shirt and it's like oh name three bands like heard songs <laughs> And like, just like whole posing thing. I know. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's sad because if you're, don't we all want pop punk to come back so we can have that energy and like go to those shows and like see all time low, the easiest guys to cheer for ever. They're just, you just want to support them they're so great and I, I love them um but they're having like this incredible like renaissance of their career where it's now bigger and better than ever they had their first number one on rock radio in 2020 and they've been a band for ever.
3: well if we're also going to say renaissance i think i would disagree slightly with that only because they just never stopped and they had this huge uh you know extremely supportive fan base that stuck with them throughout you know the ebb and flows Mm -hmm. of you know emo major label and but i mean you're seeing so much of it come back i mean i i don't remember a time when i listened to the main more than i do right now oh
2: yeah their new stuff's great
3: yeah and yeah yeah
2: i i yeah i feel like renaissance is interesting and maybe not accurate but i think that what they've been doing is they've been just pushing and, and having like this cult following and consistently putting out good stuff and like it was like they were just doing the same thing and they were never losing momentum but they weren't ever really gaining it after a certain point um and now there's all these new all-time low fans who don't know like you know they don't know waitlist this could be they don't know that song at all and that's actually kind of fucking cool because it means they're still getting a new generation
3: oh 100 you
2: know yeah that's great you don't know their whole catalog it gives you more time you have more to explore and more to discover as a fan
3: this could be correlation and not causation, but you, you'd have to check and see like the most successful debut punk records and if there's a corresponding catastrophe. Because My Chemical Romance, the flagship of the entire emo scene, uh, entire movement, Gerard's, Gerard Way's impetus for starting a band was 9-11.
2: Yeah, he saw. He
3: yeah, it saw happened it all, happen all around him.
2: Like, like literally, like he mm-hmm. he saw it with his eyes in New York City. Correct.
3: Yes. Yeah. And then from New York, from New Jersey, you have the incubator of the best and most successful emo music ever put out, and that's mm-hmm. just a fact. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, look at where we are after a global pandemic and a lost year. Yeah. Um, so that's well also and, like that you
2: know, Black Lives Matter and. Yeah. Election. I would. 100%. I would. I think politics probably fueled. Um, which. Being, not being racist shouldn't be fucking political, but don't get me started
3: on that. That's another episode. Yeah, kids, but, pick up guitars, not drugs.
2: You know, I mean, like, kids kids being at the dinner table and seeing their mom, who voted for Hillary Clinton, and their dad, who voted for Trump, duke it out, and, like, having to be so incredibly aware of this stuff that an 11-year-old isn't thinking about yet. You know, I mean, I know so many families that that happened in, and, like, that's I think that's the biggest product we've seen of, like, Everyone seen directly from, you know, this culture is like infighting in your families about politics, and so like that's going to create an angsty.
3: Yeah, Bush and Kerry definitely was not like this. No,
2: no, not at all. No like
3: who knows who Kerry is?
2: John, John Kerry. No, he's like he's chilling now. He's.
3: What's your demographic? Does anybody here know who John Kerry is?
2: <laughs> leave, a, leave, a, leave a comment if you know who John Kerry is. Yes. But Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this. I had so much fun having Sam on. Um, let me know if you hated it or if you want him to come back. Um, I will listen to
3: you. I need to discuss my rates.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. We live together. We buy groceries together.
3: That's what that was today?
2: Shut up. Oh, my God. Anyways, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Um, I've made a playlist of some of my favorite emo pop punk songs that is linked in the description. I hope you guys enjoy it. Sam added a few of his favorites as well. And um, you guys can check out the link to my new EP I got here by accident all in the description. And thank you guys so much. You are the best. I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much To Say.